2: Welcome back to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. Let's head to the phone lines right now to be joined by former ESPN personality, Trey Wingo. We always enjoy being joined by him to get his commentary ahead of the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Trey, appreciate your time as always. You have covered this sport for a long time. How impressive is it that we are in another AFC Championship game with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? I do think
3: it's important. People to understand what's happening here. Like this is unprecedented. Like when I was doing NFL Live, we used to make this stat up every year that you know Tom Brady, I think, appeared in a championship game, whether the one with the Bucks or all those with the Patriots in like 67 percent of the season, 66 percent of the season. And then we ran the numbers, and it was basically like, well, an average quarterback in that era is going to complete about 63, 64 percent of his passes, right? So we made the joke, not really a joke, but just how statistically uh, of an outlier it was that Tom Brady is more likely to appear in a conference championship game than a quarterback is to complete a pass, you know, like 66% over 63%. Well, Patrick Mahomes is blowing that out of the water. He's 100%. I mean, this is – I think we get used to it because we expect it. This is completely ridiculous what we're seeing. It's insane. It's never been heard of. and. And I just hope that everybody in Kansas City, regardless of the outcome in Baltimore, just appreciates that you're doing something that has never happened before. This has never happened before. It, it's so far out of the realm of the ordinary, it's almost impossible to put it in some sort of formulaic context.
2: No, you're absolutely right. A stat that we had earlier in the week is that Patrick Mahomes currently has 13 playoff wins. If you add Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen they have 12 playoff wins among them I mean if this team goes to the Super Bowl if they win this game he will be tied with playoff wins with Peyton Manning what he has been able to accomplish so far at age 28 is unprecedented at this point basically outside of everybody but Tom Brady
3: yeah and he's on that path and you know uh, you know, what we can have the discussion about what constitutes the goat is it rings. I personally am not a big ring counter because to me, teams win championships, teams win games. Are quarterbacks part of that? Absolutely. Are they a big part of it? Absolutely. But if MVS doesn't make a contested catch, what hasn't happened since last AFC championship game, we might not be in this position. He made a couple of them, you know, if, if, uh, if the Chiefs defense doesn't step up and figure out, uh, you know, they did an amazing job in the second half stopping that run where they were gashed in the first half for almost 130 yards on the ground. So all of these things factor into it. So Mahomes is, in my opinion, without question on path, to becoming the greatest of all time. Even if he doesn't get seven, which is what Brady has, and I don't think anybody's going to get seven, there are other ways and other metrics to better determine whether someone is the best of all time. I mean, Brady's seventh came on a, on a team that was already good. Uh, you know, they, they they won a bunch of games despite a quarterback throwing 30 interceptions and in Jameis Winston. And then just for fun, they decided to add Antonio Brown before he went Barkers and Rob Gronkowski. That's an almost unstoppable offensive weapon there. So you, you, you have to look at the metric of how somebody played in situations as opposed to just count the rings, in my opinion, to make the determination of what I singularly away from the team success, they are the best at what they do.
2: Trey, what's so exciting about these matchup is you have two very talented, two great quarterbacks and two very different play styles. I look at Lamar Jackson as the best running quarterback that we have ever seen. You talk about the arm angles and the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes. That's what makes this quarterback matchup so exciting is you have two contrasting styles going up against one another.
3: You really do, and, you know, I think the Chiefs said the last time I checked the line, they were three and a half point underdogs, right? Is that still where they are? I haven't checked today if the line's moved at all, but I think it's about three and a half. And, you know, this is the first time in the AFC picture where I look at the the teams and say, the other team is better. Like you go down, up and down the roster. I think it's safe to say that the other team has been more consistent and played at a higher level over a longer stretch of time. In Kansas City so this is a this is an unusual situation however there is a been there done that mentality that the Chiefs know and own and thrive on and that is a huge unknown in this game right uh this last weekend was the first weekend where Lamar Jackson won uh, his team a team quarterback by Lamar Jackson won a divisional round game in Lamar Jackson area they've been 0-2 and he was 1-3 the team was 1-3 with that one win coming in the wild card round over the Tennessee Titans. So now we're talking about the AFC championship game. And, you know, this is kind of a legacy game for Lamar Jackson. Can he get to the level? Can he take the team to where Patrick Mahomes has taken his team on multiple occasions? Statistically, by the numbers, they're the number one scoring defense. They have the MVP, uh, likely, in, in Lamar Jackson. They should win. But the question is, how do they handle the moment? I think we all know outside of a second-half brain melt against the Bengals a couple of years ago and the play before the end of the first half, the Chiefs handled these moments very, very well. And, And I think that's the one thing in this game that no one can account for.
2: Right now we're talking to Trey Wingo with the 33rd team. Trey, we had Mitch Holtz's voice of the Kansas City Chiefs join us earlier in the week, and I asked him what he saw about Baltimore, and he said that he is looking at a team that doesn't have any weaknesses. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens, what do you see?
3: I think there is a weakness, and I think it's in the passing game, a consistent passing game. They get the big flashes, and they get the big plays, but a lot of times they have trouble, especially through the air, uh, continuing drive. You you go back to that divisional win over the Texans. It was 10-10 at the half and yes the texans touchdown was a special teams play i understand that but they had 23 passing yards in the first half uh lamar i think at 50 was 7 11 for 54 yards or a couple of big sacks which took away some of those numbers that's not a very good sustainable success now they had some things go their way in the second half and and like any good team when they had to they turned it up much like the chiefs down at the half no problem they outscore buffalo on the road in the second half um that's that's the thing that i think the chiefs defense can exploit Uh, They're going to have to do a lot of things sort of similar to the way they did it against Josh Allen because you know that Lamar's going to try and make plays with his legs. And you're going to have to find a way to sort of mush rush him and have someone spy him. And that's why the the help of someone like Willie Gay is so critical in this game. But the other thing that I'm concerned about if I'm Kansas City is that I knew the Chiefs could attack the Bills' defense because their linebacking core was so suspect and it was so devastated by injuries. Well, this is a completely different unit. As I said, they're the number one Uh, scoring defense, and their linebackers are as good as any unit in the NFL. Uh, Outside of the Ravens not adjusting to the moment, Mahomes, Kelsey, Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice are all going to have to play their best game of the season to beat the Baltimore Ravens because that defense
2: is that good. What I find really interesting about this matchup is you've seen this in a lot of sports that no one thinks you can do it until you actually do it. And Lamar certainly had a lot of questions yeah. coming into this postseason, but that was against the Houston Texans. That's not a team that many people thought yeah. could actually make a run and win the Super Bowl. He is one game away from never having to answer if you can win the big game. No one will ever question Lamar yeah. again if you can beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game. Yeah,
3: and it's a big if, right? I mean, Lamar said it uh, in his press conference yesterday. Or today, they asked him about competing against Mahomes. He goes, "I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all." Like, he knows what's at stake, and you know, which is why I think what's interesting about the Chiefs this year and the way they sort of rebounded has been sort of interesting. They know what's at stake. We don't know if Chris Jones is going to be back next year. We don't know what they're going to do with Le'Veon Sneed, with Willie Gay. A lot of these core players, right? Uh, there are a lot of players that might be playing their last game in Arrow uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs if they lose this game so uh there's a legacy i think the chiefs know that this unit as it's presently constructed has an opportunity to do something we haven't seen in the longest stretch in the history of the super bowl era which is have a repeat champion so i i think that is a real motivating force for these guys much in the same way that what you just said about lamar is a real motivating force for him and the ravens they know to be the best you got to beat the best and you can say whatever you want about the regular season where, in my opinion, almost every one of the Chiefs' losses was self-inflicted, right? They they just needed to stop beating themselves. Like, you go back to week one, you know, if Canary's Tony makes that catch, it's not a pick six that goes the other way. And, oh, by the way, what is it? It's a one-point game. They don't have four turnovers against the Denver Broncos, including Nicole dropping one inside the uh, five-yard line when they were just about to get the ball back in a one-score game. they probably win that one. If he's not offside to the lateral, they'd probably beat the Bills. If MBS makes a catch against... The Eagles, they probably win that one. So, the Chiefs have figured out how to not self inflict, and that's what's been the, the best thing about these last two games. They've got to be more consistent in the red zone, but you know, we still have to see Lamar and the Ravens in this situation. And that the Chiefs are playing with house money because the way they played, people are like, I don't know, might be over this year, maybe reboot, get a Mike Evans in the offseason, things might be different. Yet, here they are again, and the Ravens have never been here in this. In this iteration, the John Harbaugh won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco on a completely different team. That was a completely different team. These guys have yet to prove that they can do it. And sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world.
2: Right now we're talking to Trey Wingo for a couple of minutes here. He is with the 33rd team. Trey, we ask everybody this question. Give me your Chiefs win-if scenario. Give me your Ravens win-if scenario.
3: The Ravens win if they don't spit the bit. If they don't succumb to the pressure. I, I believe that. I mean... I mean, look what they did to the Lions when the Lions came to Baltimore earlier in the year. And the Lions were a really good offense. Now, granted, over the years, we've seen the Lions play much better home than they have on the road. So if the Ravens play up to their capabilities, they'll win the game. The Chiefs will win the game if the Ravens feel the pressure, if the Ravens succumb to the moment, and if Patrick Mahomes goes in God mode, right? Like he's going to have, like his best game of the year, even though his numbers weren't great, his best game of the year was the game against Buffalo. Clean, no mistakes, made a couple of unbelievable throws and didn't force the issue, right? That's, that's, that's the way they won that game. Well, he's going to have to play better than that. Pacheco's going to have to run against a really, really good defense. I have concerns about the offensive line if Tooney can't go. Allegretti played great uh, against the Bills. Again, this is a different level of defense. I think points are going to be at a premium in this game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. First to 20 or 22, 23, may win this game.
2: Trey, I asked you about the AFC championship game. I'll get your question on the NFC. Give me your Lions win if, Niners win if.
3: Uh, the Niners win if if they can stop the run and get ahead and do what they do. They play bully ball. They're, they're one of the best front runners I've seen in years. And Kyle Shanahan can use that masterful play calling, run design offense and really control the clock, and then they can just wear you down on defense the Lions win, if they get off to a hot start, they get up 10 nothing, 14-3, to 17-7. And then the Niners are, are in a position to do the thing that they did last week. I'll give them credit for that. But they don't do really well. If the Lions get off to a good start, I think they can ride that momentum. And by the way, the weather is supposed to be much better in Santa Clara this weekend than it was last weekend in the, uh, in the divisional round. That also uh, helps Brock Purdy. Because for whatever reason, a kid that played college football at Iowa State struggles in the elements. That's, That's kind of a weird situation. The weather's going to be better. The Lions get up early. I think they can win. If the Niners can stop the running game and control the situation and play the way they want to play, then I think they have a real chance to win by double digits.
2: Before I get you out of here, I want to give you an opportunity to plug some of the cool stuff you got going on. You got great work with the 33rd team. You also got a podcast about to drop soon.
3: Yeah, it's about to, it's a new Amazon Wondery uh, combination collaboration, which is great because uh, Wondery the best and biggest in the podcast industry. And Amazon is the biggest company in the business. It's called alternate routes. And it's basically a what if scenario in almost all the greatest moments in sports. Like what if Marshawn Lynch had just run the ball against the Patriots in Super Bowl 49, instead of them trying to throw it inside the third best receiver and Malcolm Butler, uh, drops, uh, drop, doesn't get to the ball and, and makes that, inter- uh, Ricardo Lockett doesn't make the catch and Butler picks up the interception. Well, if that happens, the, the Seahawks are the first team since the Patriots to repeat. Pete Carroll becomes the first coach in the history of football, in the history of football with multiple championships in college, multiple championships in the NFL. Tom Brady might be gone from New England right after that game. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. Everything changes. Brady may not become the GOAT. The, Russell Wilson never leaves Daryl Bevel, who made that call, the offensive coordinator, was the hottest OC at the time,
2: and he
3: hasn't sniffed a job since. That one play changed a myriad of things. Marshawn Lynch goes on to become the greatest marketing player in the history of the NFL because his brand just continues to grow. So it's going to drop. The first episode is going to drop after the Super Bowl. It's called Alternate Routes. Uh, Amazon, Wondery Plus, wherever you get your podcasts, it's me and my old sports center co-host, Kevin Frazier, who is doing great work on entertainment tonight. So it's good to be back together with him. And we're just going to go through all the what-if scenarios in sports that everyone talks about anyway. It's going to be a blast.
2: And that is Trey Wingo joining us on the show today with the 33rd team. Also has a very exciting podcast coming up after the Super Bowl. You can check that out. Trey, it's always an honor to have you join us on the show to get ready for such a big weekend in the NFL. Thanks a bunch.
3: Go Chiefs, baby. Let's do it.
2: That is Trey Wingo joining us on the show today. Coming up on the other side, Lamar isn't getting enough credit, I think, for developing as a passer and one critical stat that will determine who wins this game. That's coming up. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The
3: Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City
0: Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
2: Kansas City, it's Willie Gay Jr. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. We'll give somebody a chance to win a pizza coming up here in about 10 15 minutes or so. I want to give you guys a couple of stats about Lamar as a passer. We gave you the stat earlier today. In games in which Lamar Jackson has had 29 or fewer pass attempts, the Ravens are 43 and 10 in Lamar's career. In games in which he has had 30 or more pass attempts, the Ravens are 17 and 12 in those games. I do think the formula of beating Baltimore is pretty simplistic. I could understand the causation versus correlation argument, but if we are talking about a team that leads the NFL in rush attempts this year, the way that Baltimore did, and a team that was 30th in the NFL when it came to pass attempts, we all know what kind of style that the Baltimore Ravens want to play. They want to run the football effectively. They're going to use the RPO. They're going to use play action. They're going to utilize the tight ends in the middle of the field. They are anticipating having Mark Andrews in this game. I think we know the style of fight that at least Baltimore is going to play in this game. A couple of things, because I do think that Lamar has improved as a passer and some of the criticisms that you could have early in his career. I'm not sure if you can necessarily have those criticisms of him now. So the year that he won MVP back in 2019 on passes to the outside of the numbers, he threw 36% of the time this year, Rob, it was 45%. So he has become incredibly more comfortable throwing outside the numbers. I still think Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, and this is a game in which Mark Andrews is going to be critical. This is a game in which Isaiah Likely, their backup tight end, this is a game that he's going to be critical. He is one of the best intermediate passers in the NFL. If you were talking about 10 yards and in and in the middle of the field and how you use that RPO to set up your tight end, Baltimore is really, really dangerous. They're also not a team that you can let run the football effectively because it then opens up their play action. So this season, Lamar Jackson completed 74% of his passes on play action, Rob. He threw for 1,400 yards just on those kinds of throws this year and had a 6-1 to one touchdown, a quarter uh, interception rating in play action passes. I think we know exactly everything that we need to know about Lamar Jackson. Like we have seen enough of him to know what his strengths are, but I also think that he has done a pretty good job of taking his weaknesses over the last couple of years. And I don't know if I would necessarily say that it is a strength. I don't know if you were worried about Baltimore throwing outside the numbers or being a deep play down the field offense, but they are certainly much better at that than they've been over the last couple of years, which makes their offense more well-rounded, more complete
1: than I think we've seen in years past. We haven't really talked about it enough, but Todd Munkin, the former offensive coordinator at Georgia, who, as you'll recall, spanked around TCU in the national title game, got hired at Baltimore to be the offensive coordinator. And there is noticeable change in their offense from previous to him to now. Those stats further illustrate the impact he is having on the Ravens team. I think too often NFL fans, Chiefs fans, whatever fans have fallen into a little bit of a narrative trap with the Ravens and the fact that all oh, they can only throw over the middle. Oh, Lamar's not a passer. He can't do this. He can't do that. Because a lot of that was true under their former offensive coordinator. And a lot of that was true the year that Lamar won MVP. But Todd Munkin has shown up and changed a lot of things in Baltimore. And I understand Chiefs fans haven't locked into Baltimore games. They've been buried in the noon window basically every day this season. So it's hard to be like, let me watch the Ravens. But every stat that you just showed told me, hey, Todd Munkin has changed Lamar Jackson. Todd Munkin has changed the Raven offense. I don't know if that means he's going to beat Kansas City. or are going to put up massive numbers. But I feel like a lot of the text line comments we're getting about Lamar are based in 2018, 2019, 2020 Lamar narratives. Todd Munkin is changing things in Baltimore for the better. But I also think, though, if you're
2: looking at it, I do think that there is a Hey, you got to prove you can do this against a defense like this. And Kansas City has done a really good job this year, I think, of disguising its blitz, getting after the quarterback and being a defense that can take things away. If this defense takes away the middle of the field and now forces Lamar to do some different things, is he able to counter Their defense, for the most part this season, has been really good at countering, taking away what you do really well, and also being able to recover on the fly. You might take advantage of the Chiefs defense in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. We have not seen a team so far this season that's been been able to take care of this defense over the full 60 minutes. They usually find some kind of rhythm. Middle of the third quarter, heading into the fourth quarter, this defense really starts to figure some things out and really starts to play well. A big thing for me in this game is going to be red zone opportunities. Baltimore is much better in the red zone than Kansas City was this year. They were one of the best teams in the red zone this year. They were sixth in the red zone opportunities. Kansas City this year was 19th. Kansas City so far, they are scoring in the playoffs and their are two games on 40% of their red zone drives while Baltimore was 4-5 or five on Saturday against the Houston Texans. Kicking field goals and turning the ball over in the red zone the way that they just did against Buffalo might not be the formula to win this game. You remember Kansas City, their first two, play, uh, first two drives, they kicked the field goals and then obviously the fumble from McCall Hardman. They're going to need to be a little sharper in the red zone in this matchup because they are going up against a team that usually converts those chances. They usually convert those opportunities into touchdowns in Kansas City. I would say that's probably been one of their biggest weaknesses, too. You and I talk a lot about drops, turnovers, and penalties. Another problem with the offense this season has been converting in the red zone. They were below average at scoring in the red zone. They're going up against a team that was one of the better teams at doing that.
1: Okay, so this probably, I don't know if it's the first time this week where you are going to get labeled a hater, and that's fine. But you're telling me the key to success is the red zone. The Chiefs, who have struggled in the red zone all season long, they struggled in the red zone against basically everyone other than the Bears. You think this is the week they break through against the best defense in the National Football League, the team that led the NFL in total defense? I'm not saying you're... Thought isn't correct. The Chiefs got to take advantage of red zone opportunities. But you think, hey, after struggling at, at times against the Bills with it, after struggling at times against the Dolphins with it, after struggling with it at times against everyone. They're going to break through and take seize the moment against the number one total defense in the NFL. I think that is the key to success, but I don't know the Chiefs have the formula to crack that code. They didn't crack it against the Chargers and Raiders. Do you think they're going to crack it against the Baltimore Ravens?
2: But I would say at least in this game, the same way that you and I talked about turnovers earlier. You were big on, hey, they haven't been turning the ball over. They've done much better at turnovers. They have not turned into a defense that takes the ball away from the opposition, but they have been better at ball security for themselves. I'm not necessarily saying that this team needs to go out there and there are four red zone opportunities. You got to score a touchdown on all four of those drives. That's probably not going to happen. You got to pick one of the two. Either you are going to be better in the red zone or you have to then hold them to field goals in the red zone. It's probably more likely that they hold them. Hey, Baltimore gets down the field a couple of times. It's now a third and eight for the defense. You get a quarterback hit from George Karloftis. You get a quarterback hit from Charles Aminahou This disrupts timing, and now Baltimore is settling for three with Justin Tucker as opposed to scoring a touchdown. I mean, they were one of the better teams. They scored a touchdown on 60. they are not even talking about points. Baltimore scored a touchdown on 63% of their red zone opportunities this year, and you know their kicker is money. If they get down in the red zone, you can assure that you are leaving with points can you turn those sevens that they have been getting against virtually everybody else, can you turn those into three-point opportunities? And that could be the difference in this game. We'll give somebody a chance to win a pizza, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. We got a trivia mini game coming up on the other side, and well, then we'll get back to Chiefs and Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Keep it right here. It's The Drive.
3: The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Pasquale Moore. Car wreck. Get the money you deserve. Mike's
2: got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Ladies and gentlemen, he's feeling it. I am champion dot. You never know when it's going to happen, but it's always your chance to win. Here's another edition of C Dot's Trivia Minigame on the Drive. All right, we are going to give Eric, we're only going to give one person an opportunity to win this Trivia Minigame. We will have another one tomorrow, but today we're doing something a little bit different. Eric, how are you doing today? Are you a big Chiefs fan? Yeah, I, I think so. All right. You know what, Eric? I'm going to give you one trivia question. I'm going to give you 40 seconds to get the correct answer. If you get the correct answer, I'll give you two pizzas from the other place. If you don't get it, I will hang up on you, and we will give your two pizzas to someone else. Are you ready to play? I think so, yes. All right, there are four current players in the National Football League who have played for both the Chiefs and the Ravens. I will also give you a clue that all four of these players have been teammates of Patrick Mahomes. So these are four recent players who have played for the Chiefs and have also played for the Ravens. You have 40 seconds to see if you can name all four of them. If you do, I will give you two pizzas from the other place. Rob, hit the music. Justin Houston. Correct. Marcus Peters. Man. um, I can't think of any other Ravens. You have two of them. You still got time. Both of Uh, them have played with Patrick Mahomes. Is Demarcus Robinson one of them? He is one of them. You have one more. Uh, not Chris Conley. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is not currently in the NFL. Oh, shoot. He's not currently in the league. He did play for both, though. I I appreciate it, Eric. Sammy Watkins is not in the NFL. Someone said Terrell Suggs. Currently in the National Football League. There are two. Or four, excuse me. Justin Houston
1: is one. Demarcus Robinson is one. Marcus Peters is the other. By the people in the text line are guessing someone that never was active for the Chiefs, thus doesn't count. You guys are missing an obvious one. If you know who it
2: is, text line 913-586-7610, we'll give you two pizzas to the other place. If you don't know, then we will not give you a pizza To the other place, we'll tell you coming up in five minutes who it is. There are four current players in the National Football League that have played for both. Justin Houston, Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Peters, and there is one more that uh, currently is still in the league. Um, All right, Rob. Let me ask you a question, good sir, in related to a list. I think Barry Sanders is the greatest Heisman Trophy winner to play in the National Football League. I don't really think that's that much of a debate. I don't think I'm going out on some limb. Do you think that Lamar Jackson is second? Because these are the guys that I would put into the conversation. If you don't have the Heisman list memorized, Barry is one. You got Tim Brown, Charles Woodson. Now I don't think he has an argument, but Derrick Henry certainly has had a great NFL career and has a chance of being a hall of fame player and Marcus Allen. Maybe there's somebody from the 1940s. let's talk about in the last 30, 40 years or so if we're going to put Barry Sanders as one, as a Heisman Trophy winner who turned around and had an incredible NFL career, if you said that Barry Sanders is the greatest football player of all time, I wouldn't fight you. Do you think that Lamar Jackson is second as the best Heisman Trophy winner that we have seen in the National Football League?
1: I think he is, and I think the argument for first is a lot more compelling than I think you're leading on. I mean... Lamar has a chance to be a multiple time MVP winner. We think he's going to be a multiple time MVP winner. He was what? The first ever unanimous MVP winner? And if he wins Sunday, he will at least have a Super Bowl appearance under his belt? Like, I think he's right now two to Barry Sanders, but I'm not certain that with a couple more years, a couple more seasoning, a little more time, or even just a win on Sunday. Lamar doesn't ascend to one one overall. Like Lamar's on a path to be in the Hall of Fame, so he's equal footing to Woodson, equal footing to Brown, equal footing to Allen. Now Super Bowls will be the big thing, but you know it wasn't like Tim Brown raked in the Super Bowls. when wasn't like Barry Sanders was a Super Bowl of palooza. Charles Woodson had what two? One maybe that I can think of. Marcus Allen had two. I mean. Lamar Jackson's gonna have the MVPs. He's gonna have been playing the most important position. Has a chance at a Super Bowl appearance slash win still. Plus, he's twenty what six. I'm not so certain. Marcus, excuse me, Lamar Jackson won't go down as the greatest Heisman winner of all time in the NFL.
2: A lot of people are arguing. What about Joe Burrow? I think you have to put Lamar ahead of him for the fact that he has just won two NFL MVPs. Like I think you have to put him ahead of Burrow, and Burrow is incredible. I think you at least got. I, I think you got to put Lamar. Ahead of them. I would probably rank it this way. I would put Barry at one for obvious reasons. I would put Charles Woodson at
1: two. So you don't have Lamar at
2: two right now. I have, I have Lamar at three. I would then put Marcus Allen at four and Tim Brown currently at five. That's how I would have it. If I'm ranking Heisman trophy winners and how we've seen
1: them translate to the next level. I think Barry Lamar is kind of one, a one B. So fighting that's kind of a waste of time. How is Charles Woodson ahead of, Lamar Jackson right now. Like, I know he's a Hall of Famer. His career is incredible. You're going to be a list of accomplishments. You know just, I'm
2: about to. I can't wait to even pull it's it up. Gonna,
1: you just go, to, just go to his bust at Canton.com, and you'll, I'm sure it's great. But, I mean, the list of accomplishments Lamar Jackson has is pretty great already, it, it and is. there's still I'm more just, time to be done. I'm looking
2: at Charles Woodson's, and I'm not saying that Lamar obviously can pass him. I mean, won a Super Bowl, defensive rookie of the year, won a defensive player of the year. He was an all-pro eight separate times in the NFL and was on the all decade team. Like Charles Woodson just doesn't have a hole in his resume. I know he didn't play the quarterback position. So we just don't look at his accomplishments the same way you look at Lamar's and winning the two NFL MVPs. Charles Woodson is about as solid of a football player that we've seen in a while. I got to put him at number two, man. If Barry is unapproachable, and I, I'm not even. You're arguing a one A one B with Barry. I think it's and Lamar. a one A one I'm not arguing a one A one B. I think it's a one A one B. I'm not arguing a one A one B. I got to put Charles ahead of him too, man. I got to. With, I with, mean, with, with this
1: resume, I got to do it. Lamar's about to add his fourth Pro Bowl again. he only been in the league since 2018, so four of six. So, there's pretty great. A third All Pro is coming down the pike. A second MVP, and his first MVP was unanimous. He has a chance at a Super Bowl appearance and a Super Bowl victory. Like, considering his body of work is still largely ahead of him, I think to date, Lamar Jackson has a real candidacy for best ever. I mean, how many multiple-time MVP winners are in the league, period? It's what? Rodgers, Lamar, Mahomes, Manning, Breeze, Brady? It's not that many. Like, that's a small grouping. So he's already in some rarefied air in about two weeks. When he wins that award, he can even enter more rarefied air if they win the Super Bowl. Like, Barry was great, but I think some of the lore of Barry is that he left early. He left the league while he was still on top. Lamar's resume is going to end up better. And right now it seems one B-ish.
2: Let me tell you guys really quickly the answer to the uh, trivia question. Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown was the other chief that uh, had played for both the Chiefs and the Ravens. The four teammates are Orlando Brown, Justin Houston, Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Peters. A lot of people were saying uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon never played for the Chiefs. He was kind of a weird answer there. But no, Melvin Gordon uh, never played for the Chiefs. Sammy Watkins also uh, not a guy who... uh, Not in, not in the league, not, not active, not in the league anymore. Uh, Someone on the text line says Lamar hasn't done anything in the postseason. And that's where you judge. That is a very, very fair. If we're doing that, Barry Sanders can't be one. No, I agree. But I, I guess I would just say with Lamar though, I would say that Lamar is potentially one game away from ending that conversation. One game away. Like it is a very fair criticism and critique of Lamar Jackson. If that's how you feel about Lamar. Like, I am not here to make excuses for Lamar and how he's performed in the postseason. Like, if you are a two-time MVP, if you are that guy, then you have to go win a game like this. His two wins in the postseason, Rob, they are against the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans, two teams that no one deemed to be a Super Bowl contending team. There is a difference between being a playoff team and a Super Bowl contending team. Kansas City is a Super Bowl contending team. San Francisco, these last few years, they have been a Super Bowl contending team. If those are your two wins in the postseason, are Tennessee and Houston, then you don't have a great postseason win. And Lamar was phenomenal last week. He threw 450 yards, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, and had two rushing touchdowns and had almost 300 yards total yards. So Lamar was fantastic last uh, last week, but you were not impressing anybody by beating C.J. shroud in his second start and Ryan Tannehill in a postseason. This is how you measure yourself up against the greats. How do you play against Tom Brady in a postseason? How do you compete against a Patrick Mahomes? How do you measure up against the other great quarterbacks in your era, whether that's a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow? That's really the knock on Josh Allen. I don't think anyone thinks that Josh Allen's a bad quarterback, but you've gone up against uh, Joe Burrow. You lost last year at home. You just had Patrick Mahomes at home. Your team lost that game. That's really what it. Th- I think it boils down to with Josh Allen. If those are your two wins, if those are your two heads on the wall is you got CJ Stroud and Ryan Tannehill, you have not done nearly enough in the postseason. Now it's time if you're the Ravens to go big game hunting. You got an opportunity to slay the biggest beast in the postseason, this side of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming to your building. If you're Lamar, if you're this offense, if you're this franchise that's been very, very good over the last 20 years or so, if you win this game, no one will ever be able to say that about you again. Hey, Lamar, how does he perform in the postseason? You beat the biggest ghost of them all. You slayed the biggest dragon, the biggest monster of them all, which is the Chiefs and Patrick
1: Mahomes. It's an unanswerable question. I feel like Lamar has the most interesting narrative around him of maybe any player in the NFL. The way we talk about Lamar is just so different than a player in the league. If he does slay the dragon on Sunday, if he beats Mahomes and goes to a Super Bowl, do you think the narrative around him changes? Because I would say Joe Burrow, the way we view Joe Burrow, who's a great quarterback, I don't want this to come out like a slight to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's great when healthy. I know Chiefs fans hate him, but he's great. He was probably on the greatest college team of all time. He's great. We talk about him different because he beat Mahomes. We, as a media, find ways to slight Lamar Jackson, basically at every turn, since he has entered the league, despite his multiple-time MVPs. Do you think that changes with a win on Sunday? Do you think the way we talk about him and the way we talk about Joe Burrow ever becomes the same, and we stop trying to nitpick his game and just respect what it is because I would say to date it has always been well the playoff success well he's not a thrower you know how Twitter works they call him a backup running back at times on the app like do you think the way we talk about him changes if he puts Patrick Mahomes head on his wall yeah absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent.
2: I mean we do that with all sports we do that with all players you I mean, think about the way we talk about Clayton Kershaw who has been incredible in the regular season Part of Clayton Kershaw's legacy is that he's come up short in the postseason. So, absolutely. I mean, you and I watch the NBA. People feel very different about Jokic after his team finally went on a run. Yeah, if you're Lamar and you're the two-time MVP and now you've got the current MVP coming to your house, you got to play really well in this game and you have to be a reason of why your team advances to the next round of the postseason. We'll get back to the Chiefs and Ravens game here coming up in just a little bit. But I want to give you guys a stat because we have heard from a lot of different people that have talked about how Taylor Swift and her appearance at this game, how it has been a detriment, how it has turned people off, how people are disenchanted with that the NFL has turned into more entertainment and less about football, like the great, very respected Tony Dungy. Thing that's
1: disenchanting people with, with sports now. There, there's so much on the outside that come coming in, entertainment value and uh, different things as taking away from what really happens on the field. Or Will
2: Kane when he was on
1: television. I'm watching for football. Rachel, it was negative five. Do you know what it takes to play football in negative five? It's impossible.
0: It's, Don't you want to break it from seeing these guys and see a pretty girl once in a while? I mean, come on.
1: Well, that's what we have cheerleaders for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is. All
2: right, I want to give you the real official stats. This information comes from the New York Times. The game time for the Chiefs and Bills, Rob, if you add them together, they have been six hours and nine minutes. If you want to know how you have spent your time, we have spent six hours and nine minutes watching the Chiefs this year in the postseason. In the game against the Dolphins, Taylor Swift was shown on screen for exactly one minute and 16 seconds. In the game Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, Taylor Swift was shown on the screen for exactly 25 seconds. If you add that up, Taylor Swift has been shown on screen so far in the postseason for one minute and 41 seconds. If you want the percentage, Rob, that is 0.46% of the postseason football that we have watched this year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Please leave that woman alone. She is not bothering anybody. She is not taking away from your football experience. I assure you that you are getting more than enough football this postseason. I bet you if we look at the stats, we have seen that Apple commercial with the singing plug outlet more than we have seen Taylor Swift during these games. We have seen Jake from State Farm. We have seen that one commercial with the bundle where the guy rips his shirt and then puts the Gatorade over his head. We've seen that on screen more than we have seen Taylor Swift in these first postseason games. They are not showing her that much on the television. She is not bothering anybody. She's fine. I would imagine if we did this same exercise with how often they show Jason Kelsey shirtless, I'm going to guess that they showed Jason Kelsey shirtless more on Sunday than they did in the two games combined of showing Taylor Swift. She is not bothering anybody. She is not harming anybody. Them showing her is not taking away from the game. The Chiefs score a touchdown. Her boyfriend scores a touchdown. They flash to her really quickly. She smiles. She seems to be enjoying the game. And then they get right back to the football. If you know somebody in your life that is complaining about how much they've shown Taylor Swift, I just want you to give them this very simple stat. In the postseason so far, they have shown her on screen for 1 minute and 41 seconds. That's it. She is not bothering anybody. She is not taken away from the game you love. The game you love is not more about entertainment or any of that nonsense. No one is disenchanted by it. The Chiefs and Bills just had the highest ranking for any divisional round matchup in the history of the divisional round. I'm going to guess that all of them were not there for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I've seen them play in the divisional round before. That some of the people that are there are watching it because Taylor Swift and all the people that are watching it for Taylor seem to be perfectly fine, even though they are not showing her that much on television. They ain't showing her that much. She was on TV for less than 30 seconds last week. Leave that woman alone. The only reason they were showing her in the Miami game is because Miami was getting the ass whooped. They wouldn't have been showing her so much. If the game had been good and competitive, they really started in the fourth quarter. They were like, all right, we got to do something here. Miami has no chance of winning this game. How can we keep people intrigued? Hey, give them Taylor camera
1: B camera B get the, to it. The only time it was annoying for me, at least was you're right. The fourth quarter against Miami when Tarico figured out she was in the booth beneath him. That was the only moment where I'm like, all right, because they had that corny joke where Jason Garrett was like, I thought they were taking photos of me because I coached the league. Hardy, har, har. It was a terrible joke. Outside of that, I have no problem with the most famous person on earth being shown at Chiefs games when her boyfriend has success in the NFL. That's fine by me. This is like the Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo thing all over again. Who cares who's dating who? She's famous. He's famous. She's having a great time at games. Let her have a great time at games.
2: Someone on the uh, text line said, I'm tired of that singing outlet commercial. I like the sing an outlet commercial probably the first three or four times I've seen. It. I've seen it too much. The fact that I know all the words to the commercial usually is I've seen it too many times. Apple, I know. I know you got a budget that you can be rotating some fresh commercials in here. We don't got to see the same one time and time again. You don't even really even know that it's an Apple commercial to the end. You don't know what it is. It could be a, a, a it could be a a a Glade plug-in commercial. I'm sick of seeing that commercial. I don't ever want to see it again. We'll get back to Chiefs and Ravens coming up on the other side. Keep it right here, the so Drive.